Welcome to The Way Church. We're glad you're joining us for today's message. For sermon notes, service times, and more information, check us out online at thewaychurchva.com. Now let's join Pastor Matt Rothy with this week's message. Have you seen any 2020 memes that have made you laugh this year? There's just a couple of them. First 2020 meme, top is me being prepared for 2020. 2020 coming at you. But maybe if medieval wartime isn't your sense of humor, maybe this one is more up your alley. My plans in 2020. A personal favorite, this one right here. History teacher in 2073. Kids, open your textbooks to chapter five. We're going to learn about the year 2020. The other side joke there is that they're in school and they have pencils. Next one, 2020, a review. Very bad, would not recommend. And here's the last one. 2020 is a unique leap year. It has 29 days in February, 300 days in March, and five years in April. 2020 has been, in fact, maybe a bad year for many reasons. And other than that, it's a good year for providing fodder for memes. And why not? Memes, humor, it helps us deal with very difficult things. But all jokes aside, on a less hilarious and a more serious note, 2020 has been a very challenging year. People have wrestled with how to live and how to deal in the age of COVID-19, a global pandemic. People have tried to make sense of violence and injustice and more violence. People have tried to make sense of a wild election cycle, a shaken economy. People have tried to wrestle with and deal with isolation and all of the mental health concerns that come from loneliness and isolation. And we haven't even started talking about the very personal ways that the events of this year have affected you and your families. There's been loss. Maybe it's just loss of opportunities. Maybe it's loss of work. There's been changes of plans or, or canceling of plans and, and sometimes very serious plans like, like weddings or retirements or travel to see family. It's been losses of opportunities. Hopefully not, but we fear there's losses of people in our faith family that we haven't seen for many months. 2020 has been a year that is unlike any other year in recent memory. So happy Thanksgiving. What do you have to be thankful for as you celebrate Thanksgiving in 2020? Maybe you're more positive of a person. You've looked at this year and you've really looked at the circumstances and sure, as a general, it's not good, but there's been a lot of good, positive things that have come with it. Maybe you've gotten to spend more time with family. 
Maybe it's not more time with your family, but more FaceTime with your family on the other side of the country because they're doing the same thing you're doing, staying at home. And maybe because you're staying at home, you've gotten to get more done around the house. You've checked more things off your to-do list. You've done more house projects. You've maybe taken up a new hobby. Maybe even though the economy has been shaky, you've been blessed financially. Work has grown. Your business has grown and, and you're doing okay. This is a reason for Thanksgiving. What do you have to be thankful for this year? Well, perhaps there's very, very many good things. And in fact, all of those things, and, and I'm sure there's many more, are amazing gifts. But if all of those positive things, all of those good things, all of those gifts are the focus and the foundation of your thanks and your thanksgiving, how can I put this lightly, politely? If the gifts are the focus of your thanksgiving, your thanksgiving is messed up. Your thanksgiving celebration is going to be backwards. If the gifts, the good, are the focus of your thanksgiving. What I'm trying to say is this. Thanksgiving has a direction. Thanksgiving is not just an acknowledgement of the good, the good luck, the good times that you have received. Thanksgiving is more than merely an attitude of gratitude. I'm going to say more about that in a little bit. What I'm saying is Thanksgiving has a direction. Thanksgiving has a realization or an acknowledgement that there is a giver. But what happens if we don't acknowledge the giver? Well, often the sad result is that we resort to maybe cliche or stereotypical sentiments of Thanksgiving or stereotypical motions of giving thanks when we don't acknowledge that there is a giver, or when we focus more on the giver, excuse me, more on the gifts, and we forget that there is a giver, we are essentially like the little child who has received the gift, who is so focused and wrapped up in the gift that they have received that mommy or daddy has to tell them, hey, Johnny, say thank you. And so they go, they do, they say thanks, and they look right back. But you know as well as I do that that thanks is not real. It's not genuine because it too easily forgets the giver. When we focus on the gift and we forget the giver, there's two very bad things that happen. Here's the first. We end up thanking ourselves. When we don't properly acknowledge the giver, or maybe we're unable or unwilling to acknowledge the giver, or we don't know who the giver is, what else do we have to do than take the responsibility, than take the credit for the gifts that we have on ourselves? Picture it like this. Grandma or grandpa sends a grandchild a check in the mail. Now, mostly there's going to be a return label on the address or there's going to be a note inside. And so you're going to know who gave the gift. It's grandma or grandpa. And you're going to write them a thank you note to be courteous. But what if there's no return address and there's no note inside? 
Well, very easily, the grandchild is going to think that, well, the universe has just smiled on me and given me money. Or, or maybe someone has taken note of all of the good things that I do. So, of course, they, they've sent me money. Or maybe I've just experienced a stroke of good luck. Now, don't think of that hypothetical with the grandchild. Think about you. When's the last time that you have experienced gratitude for a really, really good thing that you have? Too often, we so easily focus on the gift, we forget about the giver, and so we're led to believe, of course, this has happened. I'm the kind of person that this would happen to. I've used my talents, I've, I've used my money, I've, I've done things wisely. I have a good family. I, I have good friends. Oh, we forget the giver. You might say, Matt, well, what's, what's wrong with just you know, having an attitude of thanks, of having an attitude of gratitude? Come on, man, you're kind of being like the Grinch of Thanksgiving here. And you're right. You type gratitude into the Googles, and what you'll find is that everyone says gratitude is good. In fact, really, really smart people at Harvard or hospitals like throughout the country who have studied gratitude all recognize that it's a good thing. There's really good health benefits from fostering an attitude of gratitude. You can sleep better, you can strengthen your immune system, you can be more happy, you can foster deeper relationships, and the list goes on and on and on. But the point I'm hoping to make is that there is a difference with genuine thanksgiving, with real thanksgiving, a thanksgiving that recognizes and realizes that there is a giver. Gratitude, an attitude of gratitude, is a feeling. It's a feeling that centers on you and focuses on the gifts. And all too often when we focus on the gifts, very easily we forget the giver and we end up thanking ourselves. But that's not even the worst of it. The second thing that happens when you focus on the gifts and forget about the giver is not only that you are not courteous and you don't thank someone, the giver, it's not only that you end up thanking yourself, but far worse, you end up depending on yourself. What happens when things go south? What happens when 2020 hits the fan? What happens when you realize that everything that you have used in the past, all of your gifts, all of your time, all of your friends and family, these things can't and don't produce the good that you want to give thanks for? What then? When we focus on the gift instead of the giver, we not only end up thanking ourselves, we end up depending on ourselves and we not only miss out on gratitude, we end up hopeless and without happiness. My wife and I had to laugh. We drove past a church earlier this week and the sign said, if you grumble, you'll crumble. We laughed because it's corny. It's kind of cheesy, right? And yet the simple rhyme highlights a point that I hope to make, a, a deeper point that I hope we learn about Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving, if 
not directed to someone, to a giver, has negative effects on us. We end up crumbling. We as people, we as families, we as communities, we as humanity end up falling apart. The problem with 2020 is not the pandemic. It's not the circumstances. It's not the year. The problem is you. The problem is you and I and being so focused on the gifts, the gifts we have or the gifts that we don't have where we forget about the giver. And when you forget about the giver, not only do you end up thanking yourselves, you end up depending on yourselves. And then we crumble. Every single Sunday that we worship here, we say a prayer. The prayer or the petition, it goes like this. Give us today our daily bread. It's the fourth petition after the Lord's prayer. The prayer, give us today our daily bread, it well, means more than asking for bread. What does this mean? I'm glad you asked because Martin Luther answers that question in his small catechism. Listen very carefully to what he says. In the small catechism, Luther writes that this is what the fourth petition means that God clearly gives daily bread to everyone without our prayers, even to all evil people. But we pray in this petition that God would lead us to realize this and to receive our daily bread with thanksgiving. What we pray for in the Lord's prayer is daily bread. It's temporal blessings, things in this world that bless us and are good for us. But we pray for more than daily bread. We pray for more than food and shelter, house and home. We pray for more than just faithful spouses and obedient children and faithful governors. We pray for more than just a good reputation and kind friends and neighbors. What we pray for and realize this is the most important thing that you pray in this petition we pray that we realize who gives us every gift, that we realize that God is the giver. We realize that God is our Father and out of his grace and mercy, he gives us who do not deserve any good thing, many good things. And more than that, we pray. We pray that we don't allow ourselves and our focus to be on the gifts, but rather we realize who the giver is. So how do you realize who the giver is? How do you keep your eyes focused on that? Well, this is God's word in Psalm 100, who, who speaks to us and tells us exactly who he is so that we might realize him and recognize him. I wanna invite you to open up your Bibles or your devices to Psalm 100, and we're gonna take a look at this beginning with verse one. Here the psalmist writes, Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. But why? Why do this? Why shout for joy to the Lord? Well, here's verse two. Because you can know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us and we are his. Our God is the make of everything. 
He is the maker and creator of everything. And as much as we'd like to think otherwise that we are self-made people, we're self-made people in terms of our wealth, we're self-made people in terms of the health or whatever it is that we enjoy in life, the reality is that God is our maker. He is our preserver. He is the giver of every single good gift we have. And when we stray and we roam far from that, and we think that we are the creators of our future, of our fortune, or whatever flourishing that we have in our life, well, he doesn't leave us there because he calls us his own. He calls us his own and he says this, we are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Made our very being, not only has he made everything that he has given to us, he's made a way back to him for us. He's made our redemption, he's made our salvation so that we will never be stuck out having to create for ourselves, find good on our own, be good in and of ourselves. He's given us a good shepherd. He's given us a good shepherd so that when we roam, he is always bringing us back home and establishing us there in a place with him, a place for thanks. The good shepherd you know is your savior, Jesus Christ. Your savior who by his blood covers over all of your sin, covers over all of your sins of ingratitude, covers over all of your sins of this stereotypical feeling of gratitude that doesn't recognize him. It is God who is there for you, who brings you back to him so that there with him, you can shout for joy to the Lord, all of you, no matter the year, no matter the fear, no matter if you have cheer or not, you can shout to the Lord and worship the Lord with gladness. You can come before him with joyful songs. And verse four, you can enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise, giving thanks to him and praise to his name. And why? Why can you give thanks to him? Well, because you know your giver and you know exactly who he is. In verse five, for the Lord is good. The Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues throughout all generations. Scripture not only points unmistakably to the giver, telling you exactly who the giver is, tells us all the reasons why we have to give him thanks, to give him real genuine thanks and thanksgiving to him. It's because he's given us everything good. He's giving us his love that endures forever, his faithfulness that does not stop. The word for love and faithfulness that is there in Psalm 100 is hesed. It's the Old Testament word for the New Testament word and, and our English word for grace a word we did a deep dive into last week where we looked at all the ways that, that grace is really something that is unreasonable. It doesn't make sense that an unobligated giver would give to undeserving people unconditional acceptance, love that, that doesn't end. It's unreasonable, it's illogical. From, from our vantage point, grace and love and faithfulness through all generation, it's always given to the wrong people, to people who don't deserve it. But that grace is given to you and me. It's given to us again and again and again. It's given and it does not stop. That is his love. That is his faithfulness to you forever. And because of it, what can we do? We can enter his gates with thanksgiving and we can give thanks to him and praise his name. Everything that we have comes from God. 
His love, it's unending. And you know it. You've heard it. You're familiar with it. I think intellectually, we always recognize that someone has given us good gifts, but it's easy. It's way too easy for us and our hearts to focus on gifts instead of the giver. So here's my prayer for you. Not only today, not only Thursday, but every day of the year. My prayer for you is that with eyes of faith, eyes of faith that are strengthened and made clear by the Holy Spirit working through the word, you might see always who the giver is. So that like a child who has been given a gift, yes, you have it, you enjoy it, or maybe you don't, maybe you miss it, but your eyes are focused on the giver. And when they are, that changes the way you give thanks. It changes the way you and your family celebrate thanksgiving because no matter what, no matter having the gifts or missing the gifts, you are able to shout for joy. You are able to have praise and thanks and happiness unending because there is love and there is grace unending for you. Two men taught me that this year, actually. God's word always has been there saying that. But I was reminded of this lesson this past year by, by two different men on two very unexpected occasions. About a month ago, I went for a run and I took both boys with me in our double stroller. To be honest with you, the goal of the run was so that they fall asleep and they take a nap. But things did not go according to plan. A couple minutes into the run, they made it very clear they were not going to fall asleep. Then they made it very clear that dad did not pack enough snacks for the run. Then they made it clear as we rounded the last half mile home and on the home stretch that they were going to make as much noise as they could until we get home. And I couldn't run any faster. And so if I'm going to be honest with you, there wasn't a lot of shouts of praise. There was just a lot of shouts to be quiet because of neighbors, to Maybe I'm trying. I'm going to get there as fast as I could. And there wasn't a lot of gratitude. There wasn't a lot of thanksgiving for all of the blessings that, that I have. The ability to run. The gift of two sons. The beautiful weather. The time, the place that I have to do that. So as I turned home and made it about a block from home, I noticed sitting under a very bright yellow tree, there was a man sitting in a wheelchair, looking up, admiring the leaves. He shouted at us. He said, beautiful day for exercise, isn't it? And so, of course, because another adult was speaking to them, my boys immediately were quiet and listened. And so enthusiastically, I said, yes, sir, and kept running. And as I passed him, he said, praise God, amen. Praise God, amen. <laughs> well, we focus on the gifts, if we have them or if we don't, it's very easy to forget the giver. It's very easy to forget to praise God and give thanks. But when you do, when you focus on the giver, you always remember there's a God. You always remember there's a God who gives and to whom we get to give our praise. Second, man who taught me this was a friend who, who called me up to, to share some sad news. 
friend called me up and, and said, Matt, my wife just experienced a miscarriage. So as a friend, as a friend who's also a pastor, I tried to do my best to comfort my friend during this really sad and difficult time. <laughs> but it's my friend who gave me all the comfort. I won't soon forget what he said. He said, Matt, these kids, the child we lost, they're not mine, they're God's. I didn't make this child, I didn't make these children, God did. And God didn't take this child, he's holding this child in his hands and he's holding all of us in his hands. These kids aren't mine, they're God's. Changes the way you look at your blessings, whether it's children or family, whether it's friends or neighbors, whether it's the opportunities that you have, the health that you have, or the money that you have. When you recognize that it's God's, when you recognize that every good and perfect gift comes from God, even when we don't have things or we do have things, there is a God who is a giver of everything and he has given it all to you. What does it do but free you to shout for joy, to give praise to him and give thanks to him? Because it's easy. It's easy when we focus on the gift to forget that there's a giver. But when you focus on the giver, you will never forget. You will always remember that you have a God who loves you. You have a God who cares for you. And you have a God who provides for you. And we get to give thanks. Charles Dickens, the British author, once wrote a pretty short commentary on Americans and their celebration of Thanksgiving. He said, why don't you take the day to instead complain and grumble the entire day and take the other 364 days to give thanks and praise to God for all the blessings you have. We're not gonna complain on Thursday, but his point is well taken. Whether it's Thursday or today, this week or this year, give thanks. If you have a gratitude journal, go ahead, do it. Write down the three things that you're most thankful for each and every day or, or this year, but don't do it for yourself. Don't do it for the sentiment and the feeling of being thankful. Do it to give thanks and praise to God. Do it to give thanks and praise and honor and glory to a God who has given a place for you to give thanks. And more importantly, has made a place for you with him in heaven. Amen. Would you please stand as we join together to read the words of Psalm 100. And I'm asking you to... In inviting you to read with me these words, this, this short chapter, this short psalm that packs so much punch of praise and thanks that we give to our God. Let's lift our voices as we read God's word in Psalm 100. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. Amen.